jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We want to hear from you. 315-437-7644. Going to spend a good portion of the show today talking SU basketball. Enormous game inside the Dome tonight for the Orange as Cuse gets set to take on 14th-ranked Buffalo at 8 o'clock. Again, we'll spend a good portion of the show on SU basketball. We will talk some SU football in hour number two, Eric Dungy will join us live on the program coming up at 1.15. And again, your phone call is welcome at any time. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. And Seth, we knew this game against Buffalo was going to be important going into the season. We circled it as an opportunity for a, for a quality win, a quadrant one win. Just look at what happened last year. That win over Buffalo last December was the deciding factor getting the Orange into the NCAA tournament. Turned out to be a quadrant one win. It pushed them over the top. They got that final at-large bid into the field of 68. They went off to Dayton, and then they ended up in the Sweet 16. Tonight's game is even more important now based on what happened on Saturday. And I know Mike Waters uh, put out a story a day or two ago uh, documenting the last six times that Syracuse had three regular season non-conference wins. Five of those times they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. The one exception... 2015-2016, and they had the, the victory in the battle for Atlantis in its back pocket. Uh, they beat UConn and Texas A&M. That pushed them into the field. They also lost those games without their head coach. That is true. So that there was some of that uh, that was taken into account. So I took it a step further. I looked at how many times Jim Beheim had lost four or more regular season non-conference games in his career. It's happened three times. Syracuse has never made the NCAA tournament uh, those three previous times. So if again, it's not to say the season is over by any means if they lose tonight, but they will be they'll have their backs against the wall. They have a lot of ground to make up once they get to the ACC. The, the new polls came out yesterday. Five teams ranked in the top thirteen. Uh, out of the ACC. It's a very good conference once again, very deep conference, and and if they lose tonight, they're going to go into the ACC with a ton of work to do to make up some ground. If they win tonight, then they've got two Quadrant 1 wins, theoretically, the, the win at Ohio State and this one, two victories over ranked opponents, and then you feel a little bit better going into the ACC schedule. Look, you feel a little bit better and uh, if they win tonight, but you know, to your point, if they lose, and, and to the point that you know, the numbers that you brought up really make, if you start losing four and five non-conference games, it just means that your team's not very good and you can't expect them to just magically turn around once you get into the ACC and you're playing better teams. So to say that if they lose tonight, they have a lot of work to do, while yes, that's true, I I think that you also have to 
kind of look at the fact that if they were to lose tonight and they've lost to Old Dominion and they looked awful in those games at Madison Square Garden, so they've now lost four games and they haven't quite really looked better with Frank Howard on the floor, like they've looked maybe marginally better at times with him on the floor than they have, you know, in general and how they did in the first four games of the season. It's it's hard to just imagine them all of a sudden being so much better in the ACC schedule that they can win enough games to go and uh, so that they can go and, and you know, put things together and, and make a run. So I, I don't know, uh, I you know, I, I just, I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is when you lose four games in the non-conference, it's a precursor of things to come. You're not magically playing better once you get to better competition. But with that being said, tonight, if they could put it together, which they did against Ohio State, which they have managed to do um, at times, second half against Georgetown as well, if you can put it together and play a good game, then you can win a game tonight that sets you up in a pretty good position, even with the loss to Old Dominion on Saturday. If you're losing three, four, five regular season non-conference games, you know you say it's a precursor of what's to come. The ACC, it's not going to get any easier. Obviously, it's only going to get more difficult. So yes, you're going to end up losing games. So I mentioned they've lost four regular season non-conference games uh, three times under Jim Beheim. One of them was a long time ago, 1981-82. They went to the NIT with a 16-13 and 13 record. Two of the times, though, fairly recent, 2014-2015, they lost to Cal down in New York City. They lost at Michigan. They lost at St. John's. They lost at Villanova in overtime. 2016-2017, they lost to South Carolina down in Brooklyn. They lost at Wisconsin. Lost to UConn at MSG. Lost to Georgetown at home. Lost to St. John's. That was that 33-point defeat. Then right. they went 10-8 and eight in the ACC, and it still wasn't good enough. They ended up in the NIT. So that gives you an right. idea that if you lose you know, four or more regular season non-conference games... Even if you have a winning record in the ACC as they did that year, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't guarantee that that you will get into right. the NCAA like, tournament. And, and that team, I think, is also the exception, right? I, I think that team is one of the exceptions. That fifteen sixteen team, because that team drastically changed what they looked like in ACC play, right? We they stopped playing Daywan Coleman quite as much. They they move Andrew White to the back line of the defense. They start playing Tyus a little more like like that team did drastically change. You know, this year's team, I don't see where they're drastically changing. Last year's team, I don't see where they were going to drastically change as the season went on. And and I think that that's something that you've got to take into account. Like that team had the depth and that team had the ability to say, you know what, we're not going to play day one as much. We're going to play Torian Thompson in the middle. We're going to play Tyler Lydon in the middle. We're going to get John Gillen into the starting lineup. Like, I don't think that this team has as many variables. So that team was able to turn it around, quote-unquote, and get to 10 wins in the ACC. Most of the time, when you start off that poorly, you're not able to flip the switch and turn it around that quickly. All right, the one thing that this team can say is, you know, you pointed out, well, they lost games without Jim Beheim, or they lost games with a different lineup. This year's team could say, well, two of those losses were without Frank Howard. And, and it, it, so, again, they have that quote-unquote excuse or reason right now. But it's not like Frank came back, and I know you've made this point the last couple of weeks, it's not like Frank came back and all of a sudden they flipped the switch and they were a different team. It's It's been a slow progression forward, and they're not a different team. And to lose the Old Dominion at home, that's a worse loss than losing to UConn or Oregon down at Madison Square Garden. Right. So, yes, they still have that reason, but 
if the losses keep piling up, obviously that reason goes out the window. Right, and and you know what? It goes back to what what we had talked about roughly a month ago on the heels of that trip to New York City when we found out that Frank was coming back. And, and I sat here and I said, to be able to use the excuse that you weren't as good a team without Frank Howard, you have to be a better team with Frank Howard back, right? To be able to use that excuse, you had to go beat Ohio State, which they did. You had to beat Georgetown, which they did. I thought you had to, you know, win win basically every game on your, on your non-conference schedule. And they went and they lost to Old Dominion, and they haven't looked very good or very convincing in the majority of these games outside of Ohio State. And so, for me, to... To use that reasoning and say, well, two of those losses were without Frank Howard. They haven't looked good enough with Frank Howard for me to use that reasoning. Like they, they haven't looked like a a good a a, a much improved team with him yet for me to use that reasoning as as a legit thing to point to and say, hey, they're a better team right now with Frank Howard. Because I like are are they? See, that's the concerning thing to me is that they really haven't looked good. Um, the, the, Ohio, the Ohio State game, the second half against Ohio State was the exception. They played great in that second half against Ohio State, and they picked up a really good win on the road in a tough place to play. But outside of that, the Cornell game was closer than it should have been. The Georgetown game was certainly closer than it should have been, and Syracuse was fortunate to win that one. You know, Tyus Battle hits the game winner, and, and they're able to, to come back from that double-digit halftime def- deficit. Very fortunate to beat Georgetown. You know, the Colgate game was was closer for a while than it it, it should have been. I realized that was Frank's first game back. But I mean, the Cornell game was closer no, than I, it should have been. Yeah, you know, I, I, I said Cornell. I, yeah. I mean, every one of them, I, it feels I know. like. It, it's, that's the concerning part, is that even when they're winning, something just doesn't seem quite right. And I, and I know we come in here and, and we dissect the games and, and we point to the, the obvious problems. The obvious problems being three-point shooting. The obvious problems being the play of the centers. Um, but it's, it, you know, the obvious problems being, you know, Frank isn't a hundred percent yet. It doesn't seem to be a hundred percent. It just, for whatever reason, this team is, is too deep and too talented though, to be playing like this well, and, and, that's, and to lose the old dominion at home. And that, that's my takeaway from Saturday as well. My, my takeaway from Saturday was finally, you know what? They're, they're too talented to, to keep getting dragged into close games or losing games or playing so poorly they they are that's that's the only way i can describe it they are too talented to continually play this poorly and to continually in my opinion underperform i mean because that's what they're doing and you look at each of these these opportunities i mean they're more talented than uconn they're more talented than than moorhead state you know they're they're more talent even with frank out they were more talented than colgate than cornell than northeastern than than uh the Old Dominion, who they played last weekend, and Georgetown, and yet they get dragged into these close games. And to me, I can't help but feel deja vu going back to that 15 16, uh, the, the 15 16 season. I, I can't, or the 16 17, 16, 17, 17 season. Yeah. Sorry. I can't help but feel deja vu because that team objectively had a lot of talent on it. And I think that this team has not that same level because they're not quite as deep, but I think this team has a lot of talent on it. And they and they just continually underperform, and they continually don't show up on one side of the ball, and they're just not going to win many games that way. And so it 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 it's starting to feel a lot like sixteen seventeen, where the team just doesn't equal the the sum of its parts, where Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett and Elijah Hughes and Jalen Carey and, and Frank Howard 
are all in their own ways very talented, very good basketball players, but you throw them all together and it just doesn't work. We saw them lose the rebounding battle yet again against Old Dominion, minus five on the glass against the Monarchs. We saw them struggle from the free throw line, which was a key stat in this game. They went to the free throw line 34 times. They had 34 attempts, made just 22 of them. If they shot 80% from the free throw line, rather than, what was it, 66? 64.7, yeah. If they shot 80%, they tie the game, they go to overtime. Yeah, you know what, though? If they shot better... And if you go back and, and watch the game, I know you watched the yeah. game live. If you and go back and watch the game, one and uh, yes, and there were there were key spots where yep. they missed free throws. So if they had made more free throws, I, I think they win the game. You know, I, I know you're you're adding it up I'm here. I'm just doing like I, literally I doing by the, the pure numbers, right? right. But th- the ones that they missed, and I know they missed a lot of them. There were some that they missed that were key free throws, whether it was a one and one or a key spot in the game where it's all right. It c- they can make it a two possession game or or whatever the case may be. And Old Dominion would come down and answer, and then Syracuse would go one for two from the line, and then Old Dominion would score. It just it felt like. They were momentum-changing missed free throws, if, if that can even be a thing, that Old Dominion took advantage of SU's misses. And that was a key stat in that game. 12 missed free throws by Syracuse. The fact they lost the rebounding battle again. The fact that it was pretty much Tyus' battle. Yeah, you know, Elijah finished with 15. Solid game out of here, but it was it, out of him. But it was, it was Tyus. It was, you know, Elijah to some degree. And then no one else. And the two centers combined for zero points in 32 minutes. And seven rebounds. I mean, it. It. They've got to do more than that. They've got. They've of got to combine for more than you know zero points and seven rebounds in two minutes. Um, you know, I think Frank Howard again. He's taken baby steps forward. He did have six assists in this game. He finished with nine points. He looks like he's moving a little better. But the, the offense, if we're being honest, the offense is stagnant at times. It just is, and some of that comes with. You know, the poor outside shooting. Syracuse is 318th in the country right now in three-point shooting, making 29% of its attempts from behind the arc. And now some of that was they were dreadful at the beginning of the year, especially dreadful in those losses down at the Garden. Brings down the average a little bit, but we're 10 games in. I mean, that's a large enough sample size. This team, we thought, would be a pretty good outside shooting team. We thought Tyus would get better looks. You know, O'Shea was the best three-point shooter statistically on the team last year. Elijah is the best three-point shooter on the team this year. You add Buddy Beheim into the mix. He's yet to find his rhythm in the regular season. There are a lot of concerns with this team. And and quite honestly, Seth, I'm I'm surprised because when we went into the year, we were trying to come up with potential weaknesses. We did point to the centers. We said that, you know, that's going to be a question mark. Their health, their effectiveness, how much will they be able to, to give you on the offensive end? Not that you needed a ton, or at least we didn't think they needed a ton on the offensive end, but that was the one weakness we pointed to before the season started. But now Frank's injury has brought another weakness to the table. Uh, the offense is stagnant at times, and this team is not shooting the ball from the outside the way that we thought they would be able to. No, they're not. And, you know, they, they shot 36% from three, uh, you know, in the game on Saturday. I, I don't I don't think that's a particularly bad number. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, the, the thing is, when you watch, it feels like a lot of these threes kind of come in the rhythm of the game. Like, it doesn't seem like they're forcing too many. Uh, you know, it's it's not like they're, you know, passing up better looks to to put up contested They threes. did at the Garden. They did at the Garden. But I, I, I haven't gotten that feeling the last couple of weeks. I've gotten that feeling that the shots just aren't going in for them. Uh, you know, I'm 
I'm not going to say don't shoot threes because statistically, if you shoot 35% from three, that's better or or equal to shooting 50% from two. And we know right now that they're not shooting 50% from two. You know, so so you might as well put up threes, and you might as well hope that you shoot a a worse percentage from three than you would from two. But you're going to get the same number of points, and so like it, 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 the numbers game makes a whole lot of sense for them to keep shooting threes, even if they're only going to shoot thirty five or or thirty six percent from the three point line. They've they've actually just got to do that though. You know, in in the Georgetown game, in the second half of the Georgetown game, they shot something like fifty percent. Uh, from three, I want to say, 45, 50% from three, that, that's a staggering number. That's not what happens all the time. And if you're expecting that to happen every game, game in and game out, then you're expecting things that just aren't realistic. You're expecting things that, that just in basketball don't happen. Like teams don't shoot 45% from three on a season. That's yeah, not how it works. Cuse was one for 14 from three against Georgetown in the first half, seven for 14 uh, for 50%, as you mentioned, in the second half. They played a great second half against Georgetown. They played a great second half against Ohio State. We've seen glimpses of what this team can be. And, it, it, you know, it's interesting because going into that Ohio State game, when we, we broke it all down, and remember that was, you know, a, a couple games removed from the trip down to New York. They played Colgate in between. Frank Howard came back. And, you know, we had no reason to believe that they were going to go on the road and, and beat a nationally ranked Ohio State team. But if you remember that night, I said, I just, I got a feeling like they, it felt like their backs were against the wall in that game, and they're going to come out and play with urgency. And they did. And that was really the one game, that was the one game where we saw them start to finish play with urgency, even though the game didn't get off to a great start. Some of that was Ohio State made shots early, jumped out to that seven-point lead. But I thought Syracuse... But once you got ten minutes into the game, that kind of cleared up. I thought Syracuse played with intensity that night. They played with urgency. We saw it in the second half against Georgetown, right? They got down by double digits. We saw that urgency in the second half, and they played great. I think we're going to see that urgency again tonight because if if you can't get up for this game, it's a nationally ranked opponent in your building, one that's undefeated in the top 15, and oh, by the way, you're staring at your fourth regular season non-conference and, loss. And oh, by the way, you just lost to Old Dominion in a game that you should have won when you had a 13-point lead in the second half? I think we are going to see a, a, a team play with urgency tonight, much like we did against Ohio State. And, and they've shown like when they do that, they're pretty good. They play with it in the second half against Georgetown. They play with it, I thought, all night long against Ohio State. Now, why they don't do that on a regular basis, I don't know the answer to that. Or at least it seems that way. It's it. Don't you get that feeling watching this team, Seth? That they, when they get you know punched in the mouth, so to speak, we saw it in New York that they they didn't respond well. Yes. Um, no, they don't answer well. There and and. Like, you don't mean physically when they get punched in the mouth, but physically when they get punched in the mouth, they don't respond well. And that's what Jim Boeheim's been saying all well, season long, even after where they're the, just not physical enough. And even, I, I know that you didn't mean it that way, but, like, it, it's it's hard not to hear that phrase and think both of those things. But even we even heard it from the players after the old Dominion game. They said, you know, we've got to be tougher. And I that's, that's like, the intangible thing. You know how... You and I are having a hard time. I, you know, we're saying the same things about the. You know, the center's got to get better, and Frank's got to get up to up to speed, and they got to shoot the ball better. And those are tangible basketball things. But there, it feels like there's something we can't quite put our finger on. And I and I wonder if the the thing we can't quite put our finger on is the is the toughness aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, there, there's something missing. There, there's just something missing from the team right now. Um, you know that that's what. I, I can't figure out, like you said, we, we can't put our finger on it, but when you have the talent that Syracuse has right now, you should be better than seven and three, eight and three. You you shouldn't lose games 
to Old Dominion in your building. You shouldn't be playing close games against Colgate and Cornell. Uh, There's something here missing. There's just something missing. So help us diagnose this team. What's up with the Orange, and and what do you think is going to happen tonight? 315-437-7644. We do need to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We learn every night. We learn tonight. We certainly didn't shoot very well. We didn't make our free throws. And we weren't physical enough. And we have to get more out of the center position to be successful. That was Jim Beheim after the... 68-62 loss to Old Dominion on Saturday as SU drops to 7-3 and now on the season and uh, looking at a very important game tonight with 14th-ranked Buffalo coming to town. The Bulls undefeated. They score a lot. I don't know if you've seen them play it all this year, Seth. They score a lot. They had a, a shootout with West Virginia. Beat them in overtime at West Virginia. Even that LeMoyne game, it was tied at halftime, and then Buffalo just dropped the hammer in the second half. They can score, and they can score in bunches. It's a a veteran starting lineup. They've got three seniors in the starting lineup. A lot of these guys played on this team last year and and took Syracuse down to the wire inside the Dome uh, before losing by seven. That final score, not indicative of how close that game was. They put up 85 points a game. Yeah, Syracuse was fortunate uh, to win that game in the Dome uh, last year, and a lot of these guys are back and, and they've got a lot to play for. We're talking about Syracuse having a lot to play for. Buffalo's got a ton to play for. Being in the top 15 for the first time in program history, uh, undefeated, they're coming to town with uh, with a lot of confidence. So, I mean, in, look, yeah, look a, win, a win tonight, and then later in the week they've got, uh, they've got Marquette on the road at Marquette. A win in these two games could essentially lock up a tournament bid for them. I mean, if, if they go on the road and beat West Virginia, on the road and beat Syracuse, on the road and beat Marquette, who's in the top 25 right now, if they have those three wins on their resume come year's end, it might not matter if they win if they win the, their conference tournament. It might not matter if they win the MAC. Like, they might just be in. I mean, isn't that enough motivation for anybody? They might not even need both of them. I mean, you get, no, you get one of them. One. You've they got might... two Quadrant 1 wins. I mean, uh, we assume Syracuse will finish in the top 75 of the, the net rankings. Uh, certainly West Virginia will, and, and you mentioned Marquette's in the top 25 right now. You go on the road and beat people, uh, the NCAA Tournament Committee uh, certainly uh, takes notice. In regards to what Jim Beheim was saying about the centers, and and we harped on it, uh, you know, in that in that first segment, Pascal Chuku, Barama Sidibe combining for zero points in 32 minutes. To me, it, it isn't even the offense that's that's most concerning. What's a bigger deal is the fact that Old Dominion had 22 points in the paint. That we saw them go up against UConn, and the centers got pushed around against UConn. Um, you know, the centers got pushed around against Georgetown. We we've seen that when teams are physical. You know, Barama and Pascal at this point, they're they're not as comfortable. Um, you know, and, and Marek does a good job at the center position, but you know, he weighs whatever he weighs, he's like a buck seventy eat, and right. he, he's gonna get eaten by people. Yeah. And and Buffalo's got, you know, some some beef down low. So um when they go up against a, a physical team and play a physical brand of basketball, the center's struggling. And to me that's the more concerning thing than the zero points. It's only seven rebounds in 32 minutes. It's giving up 22 points in the paint. It's giving up 11 second chance points. That directly comes back to what's happening down low. Yeah, you know, I I said to you in the break when you said, "Oh, well, we should, you know, we get we got to talk about the centers. They've got to be better." You know, my my first reaction is, "All right, so if they if they could, if they had combined for 10, 12 points, 10, 12 rebounds, are they that much of a better team right now?" 
Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, right? Because they, they went zero and six. They don't need scoring from them. They need rebounding. They need defense. Um, and you add two or three rebounds here, four rebounds here and there. I, I mean, what's what's the, the difference in, in the big picture? You need them to play defense. I mean, last year, at least you can hang your hat if Pascal Chukwu, like you can hang your hat that he was a defensive anchor in the middle of that zone. He did nothing for you offensively. He did a little bit for you rebounding, but he was a force in the middle of the zone. He held his ground. He blocked shots. He created problems in the middle part of that zone. I, I You can't say that this year. I mean, he's getting worked on the inside. He's... Like, to me, he's clearly taken a step back. Barama Sidibe, last year he was fighting through injuries. He was doing the best he could, and and he wasn't great defensively. Uh, you know, this year we heard that he was healthier. We heard that he was going to be better. He was going out and contesting shots, and, and it just it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like he's there, and I think that that's the biggest thing missing. When you look at this defense from one year to the next, having that shot blocker, that presence in the middle of the zone back there as an anchor, as a last uh, safety blanket— I think is such a uh, an underrated thing, an underrated asset to a team. And last year Syracuse had it and had a pretty good one. And, and this year I don't think that's there. Well, you just said, you know, if, if they grab five more rebounds combined, are they a better team? And my answer to you is, uh, yeah, they could. Be. I mean, Old Dominion had 10 offensive rebounds. If you cut that number in half. I mean, are they that much no, I, better? I know. I know Saturday makes a huge difference. Well, it, but it makes a huge difference in close games. And it, there's such a fine line between winning and losing in major Division One college basketball. I understand your point. But, yes, on Saturday, instead of 10 offensive rebounds, if they get five, or instead of 11 Second chance points if they get five. That makes up the difference. That makes up the difference right there. Um, and maybe it pushes you over the top. And there were a lot of little things. The free throws, not such a little thing on Saturday. They missed 12 of them. But you make a few more of those free throws. You grab a couple of those those defensive rebounds that went to Old Dominion and turned into second chance points. You do the little things, you probably win the game. They did the little things in the second half against Georgetown. Merrick Dolajai drew a charge with 10 seconds left. That's a little thing that doesn't show up in the box score, but it gives them yeah. the ball back and Tyus hits the shot. You do the little things in close games, you generally win. Syracuse did not do the little things against Old Dominion. 315-437-7644. To the phone lines we go. Scooter in Jamesville kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Hey, hi, hey. How, how, how ironic if this uh, basketball season goes south, there's always football season to look forward to, right? Yeah, right. Hey, yeah, at least there's still one more. Two more weeks of it. Two more weeks of it, anyway. Yeah, look, a couple things. Yeah, you mentioned the three throws that Syracuse missed, but I thought Old Dominion, Old Dominion missed a lot of three throws, too. I don't know what they actually shot for the They for were the game. Uh, 13 for 20. They, they missed seven. They missed seven, okay. And I, and I don't know how they were one-on-ones before, but it seems like in the first half, I, I know a couple of times, it looked like they went over for 2 or something. But um, the, the, thing, the thing about this, you know, to me, to me basketball and, and baseball are similar when it comes to shooting and hitting, where sometimes you're hot and sometimes you're not, and usually you end up right where you're supposed to be. Like, you know, a guy who hits 350 in baseball, it might have a week where he hits 500, but probably has a week where he hits 250. And we'll see. We'll see if this team is a is a good three point shooting team for the whole season. They're not shooting the ball well, but if they're supposed to be a good outside shooting team, then maybe they you know they get hot later on in the season. and Everything matches up. Now tonight's game, uh, I don't know what the uh, Vegas line is, uh, but it seems to me that even though Buffalo is ranked and Syracuse isn't, isn't, isn't Syracuse the field that you know, they're the favorite? I mean. If we beat three and Buffalo, a half point we favorite, like we should storm the quarter or something like that, or no? <laughs> Syracuse is three and a half point favorite, which again in in uh, 
you know, in, in Vegas and, and in that world, that's essentially a toss-up. Like, if they played this game on a neutral site, I believe it would be a toss-up, Buffalo, right? Buffalo might have even been a favorite on well, a neutral I think site. home yeah. court counts as three points generally is what they say, correct? I mean, I think yeah. I, it is in football. I don't know I how think it it's the same basketball. in basketball as well. I could be wrong, but I think it's a it's essentially a bucket or a possession. So, you know, basically this is a toss-up game if it was played at a neutral court. But, but you feel that, that, that Buffalo... Uh, because they're ranked 15th, that they that basically if Syracuse beats them, it's an upset. Though I mean, your gut no. feeling? No, I don't. I don't think that. Right, me, me, me either. That's that's the weirdest feeling about the rankings now. Is I see teams ranked 15th, but yet you know I see I see I see games on TV. I just don't have the feeling that when someone beats a you know team, for example, I don't know if you caught the Ohio State game, but Bucknell had a three point shot at the at the buzzer to beat Ohio State at Ohio State that lost the game. I think uh, 73-71. So there's teams that actually, you know, outside the Syracuse bubble, is that these teams go on the road and actually, you know, actually scare other teams too. So it's not just Syracuse getting scared at home. Yeah, and so, yeah, and that, and that's a good call, Scooter, and I I appreciate the point. Um, you know, I actually picked Syracuse to to beat Ohio State that night, even though Ohio State was undefeated and and ranked in the you know in the t- top twenty. I I didn't feel like that was an upset. I think it comes down to matchups and. You know, I think this is a, a matchup tonight. It's going to be a tough matchup, though, for Syracuse because Buffalo scores the ball so well. Um, in some ways, I think this game might be tougher than the Ohio State game because Buffalo scores so well, because they're a veteran team. We know they're not going to be intimidated. I don't they know. They came into this building last year and won. I don't and, know and if, nearly Sy- won. If, if Buffalo shoots the ball well and, and, and does offensively what it's been doing, I'm not sure SU can keep up. And I, I wouldn't have said that. At the beginning of the year, I felt like this team had a lot of offensive firepower. I still think they have a lot of offensive firepower, but right now, they're they're not scoring the way that they need to score. And you know, Scooter brought up over the course of a, an entire season, things will even themselves out. And I generally agree with that. But they're ten games in now, which is essentially, you know, he brought up the baseball comparison. That's that's like, of the two, way in. that's like two months of the baseball season. Yeah, you're you're a third of the way through the regular season here. In, so in Syracuse, it's a case. large enough sample size, and these are theoretically the easier games, quote unquote, easier games. So you would think that you would have better looks, and you know you would be able to shoot the ball better in the non-conference than you would when you've got better athletes and tougher defenses that you're going up against in closer games. You would think you would shoot the ball better now. So I understand Scooter's point, but you're ten games in, you're a third of the way through your season. It's a large enough sample size that. Yeah, I think it's okay to say that we're a little bit concerned about this yeah, team's outside I, shooting. I, I agree. I, I do. I, I totally agree. And and I agree with what Scooter said. You know, the, there's a reason why these things are averages, right? There, there's a reason why these things are averages because sometimes you're going to be better, and sometimes you're going to be worse. And some weeks you're going to be terrible in the in the baseball analogy that Scooter used, and the next week you're going to hit 650. And and that's why it averages out in the middle, and you find some some in between, and you end up hitting 315. You know, Syracuse one week, one half might go one for 14 from three. The next half, they might go seven for 14 from three. It's it's kind of this progression and regression to the mean kind of thing where at the end, it all balances out. And you end up being that 34, 35% three-point shooting team, but there are going to be some really ugly games and some really ugly halves and some really ugly stretches because that's how averages work. Like, that's how that's, that's math. They're not even at 30% right now, though, which no. is... That's concerning. That needs to change. That needs to change. 315-437-7644. We are 
up against a, a timeout. So we've got to take a break. Phone lines remain open. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.